So we're going to continue this morning through our sermon series, through the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, we have seen how Jesus addresses the major areas of our lives. Our thoughts and our emotions, our words and our actions, our relationships with God, people, and our possessions. And so you don't have to be a believer to get something out of the Sermon on the Mount. And today we'll hear how Christ addresses worry. And worry and anxiety is a great topic because all of us have worried about something. Some of us are more worried now than we've ever been before, and still few of us feel like we are stuck or trapped in the whirlwind of worry. So let's hear what Christ has to say about worry from Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. And and you're going to realize immediately that Jesus connects his teaching on worry to I will literally do this for 30 minutes. Is this not a universal signal? Do we only do this in New Jersey? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Money. Because 70% of Americans say that their number one area of worry is... All right, great. Now we can go on. So here we go. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't do it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And everyone in Jesus' audience is like, no, we, we can't. And why do you worry about clothes? Consider how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The first time I read this passage, I thought easier said than done. Did anyone else have that thought? So I want to start this morning with a hypothetical. Hypothetically speaking... Let's say that you are going through a difficult season of life, and it has gotten so difficult that you are willing to do something that you have never done before. You are willing to speak to your pastor about it. And you you understand that you are in need 
of some biblical counsel, right? You, you tried Oprah's way, you processed your feelings with your therapist, and now you're saying, but, but hold on, I need a little bit more. What would the Bible have me do in this situation? So you come to my study and you say openly, I'm in crisis. And, and it can be any sort of crisis, a health crisis, a marital crisis, a family crisis, a relationship crisis, a financial crisis. But you say, I'm in crisis, I don't know what to do, and this crisis has led to another sort of crisis. It's taking its toll on me. I, I, I'm not sleeping at night. When I lay down at night, my mind runs in circles and circles and circles. I'm barely sleeping. And when I wake up, I'm tired. I wake up each morning with a headache. I'm on edge, and I don't want to be on edge with my family. One minute I'm sad, the next minute I'm angry. I have this tightness in my chest. I'm drinking too much. I'm taking Advil with breakfast, lunch, and dinner when I have an appetite to eat. And no matter how much I pray, it doesn't seem to go away. Anyone been there before? You actually have to be honest in church. Anyone been there before? And in this hypothetical moment, it's evident to me, like millions and millions of Americans, you are suffering through the whirlwind of worry. You are feeling the burden, the weight of anxiety and stress has its grip on you. And it's nothing to be ashamed of, but you need help. And the reality is we all need help dealing with worry, stress, and anxiety. And in order to deal with our worry, stress, and anxiety, we, we can't just deal with the symptoms of worry, stress, and anxiety. We have to get to the root of worry, stress, and anxiety. And so I'm not a doctor, I'm a pastor, so we're not gonna talk about the neurological or chemical causes of anxiety, but we will speak of this morning the spiritual root of all your worry, all my worry, all of our worry. Paul wrote this to his understudy, Timothy. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Do you, do you see the root of your spiritual worry? The spiritual root of worry is fear, the spirit of fear. And, and, you, and you have to understand that fear in it of itself is not a bad thing. Actually, God writes in fear into the human psyche with, with good reason, right? It's a cold, wet, rainy day, and you are afraid of walking to the edge of the cliff. Fear is there to protect you. We were playing golf on Friday, and there was a coyote in the middle of the day running down the fairway. Fear was a good thing. I didn't get out and swing my club with the coyote next to me, right? Fear was there to protect me. Fear is there to protect you. Fear, in its, in its, when, when used properly, can lead us into making wise decisions. But the Lord knows the power of fear, and the Lord knows how fear can grow and grow and take over. And this is why the most common commandment in all of Scripture is some variation of these words. Do not be afraid. Do you know how many times do not be the commandment do not be afraid appears in the scriptures? 365 times, one for each day. 
So, so you and I are, are sitting back in my study, and, and I hear it. I, I feel it. I see it. It's the spirit of fear. Fear is arguing with you. Fear is harassing you. Fear is biting at your faith. Fear is gnawing away at your hope. And all you can see is worst case scenarios. All you can believe is a future that is absent of the goodness of God. Fear has stolen your peace. Fear robbed you of joy in this life. Fear has killed your hope. And the spirit of fear has its grip on your heart and your mind. And I sense the fear in you because I've experienced the fear in me. And I give you the very best counsel that a guy from Jersey can give. Don't worry about it. Hey, don't worry about it, huh? I even say it like a guy from New Jersey. Your life, your health, your house, your family, don't worry about it. And I give you three things to do. I say, I'm gonna give you these three things to do and off you go. This is all I can give to you. And, and, and perhaps this is a little bit jarring, a little bit shocking to you. Here's what I tell you to do in all your worry, anxiety, and stress. Number one, look at the birds. Number two, consider the grass and the flowers. Yeah, on your way out, stop and smell the roses. And number three, seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness first off you go. Now be honest. If you're thinking, be honest. Are you thinking when you, when you leave my study, that Pastor Greg is one outstanding biblical counselor? <laughs> or be honest, and you can raise your hand, if the next time you're in crisis, you're going to Pastor Liz. <laughs> you came seeking biblical counsel and you know what I gave to you? Biblical counsel from the Sermon on the Mount, perhaps Jesus' most famous, most important teaching of all time. I am taking his very words and I'm asking you, I'm urging you to apply them to your life. Jesus spoke these words to people who were worried for valid reasons. The, the people in his ancient audience on the mount were facing food insecurity, water scarcity, poverty, violence, death, and slavery. And he says, don't worry about it. Look at the birds. Don't worry about it. Consider the grass and the flowers. Don't worry about it. Seek God in his kingdom first. And the food, the clothes, the water, everything you're worried about will be given to you as well. And on the surface level, this appears to be a bit insensitive, out of touch, and certainly unhelpful. However, it, it is indeed a profound teaching, and as we unpack it, you will experience the genius of Jesus. And here's what he's saying. Number one, face the facts of life. Number two, think about worry differently. And number three, live differently. Face the facts of life. Think about worry differently and live differently. And if you do those three things, through God's grace, you can knock down your worry. So first, let's talk about at least two of the facts of life that arise from this question that Jesus asks to us. And it's verse 27. Hey, hey, Greg. Hey, Melissa. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Pete. Can, can you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life. J just think about that question, Bridget. Think about that 
question, Adam. C can you add a single hour to the end of your life by worrying? And I'm gonna get, you, you all, most of you are from Fairfield County, you're overachievers. I'm gonna give you two bonus questions. Who of you by worrying believe that you have subtracted hours or years off your life? <laughs> oh, we have some honest people here. And in all your worrying, has worry ever fixed anything? He, Jesus is saying, face this fact of life. Worrying about, we're going to try this again. Worrying about will not make you more. Worrying about family will not heal your family. Worrying about health will not make you any healthier. Jesus is saying the fact is worrying is a waste of your time and energy. Worrying is futile. Worrying is unproductive. Worry does not have the power to help you with anything. Worry is a waste. So let's think about the things that we worry about. When we're single, we worry about getting married. When we get married, we worry about having kids. When we have kids, we worry about our, wow, none of you are concerned about your kids. We worry about <laughs> our kids. As we grow older, we worry about our kids, and now we're worried about our parents. Into adulthood, we worry about our jobs and our retirement. When we're finally retired, we still worry about our kids. Now we worry about their kids, and we wonder, how will they ever retire? Do you know the common thread, what the common thread is among all these things that have us so worried? Just, just take a second. Inventory. For those of you who are not worried about anything ever, I love you. Hallelujah. You can finish up the coffee for the next 20 minutes. But for the rest of us, just take a second. Inventory it. What, what's keeping you up at night? What, like, what are you really, really worried about? And if you take that, that inventory, I, I can think about the things that I'm worried about. And, and here's, here's the common thread that I found this week about the things I'm worried about. I can't control them. There's a spirit of fear within me over the things that I cannot control. And then as, as I was pondering and meditating on this topic of all the things that, that keep me up at, night, up at night that I'm worried about and feel powerless over, I realized that not only can I not control those things, this is big. I have very little control over every, anything. The Merritt Parkway taught me that this week. <laughs> On a Tuesday in rush hour. There is so little that I have control over in this present moment and there's absolutely nothing that I can control into the future. I have no control over the future, yet I'm so worried about the future. And here's the big shift in the Sermon on the Mount and in the, our scripture passage over worry. You can't control anything into your future, but there is one who does control the future. You have very little control over this present moment, but there is someone who does have control in this present moment. And, and Jesus is, is gonna tell us what to do about worry, but he's also pointing us to a heart condition. And that's why he, he actually chides his, his disciples a little bit. He says, you have little faith. Little faith is good. You, you, it, it's good, it's not great, but it's good. You have faith to believe that I am Lord and Savior, but, but you don't actually have the trust in me to, to, to rule over and to be control of your life. 
you have little faith. And so this, this thing of worry is actually not about the crisis. It's not about the circumstance. Worry is a heart issue. Worry, what Jesus is saying is deep down, worry is a faith issue. And, and, it, and if you don't have faith and you, and you never turn to God, you'll, you'll never really have any answers to worry. But, but if you're able to, to trust in God, you will find answers for all of your present and your future worries. And so he has to, he says, let's face the facts. Worry is a waste and you're not in control. God holds you and God holds the future. And so now everyone can exhale. <sighs> Hallelujah. I'm not in control. God's in control. And we need to understand that that's a good thing. And this is why God, this, excuse me, this is why the Son of God, Jesus tells us to look at the birds and to look at the grass and the flowers and to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. This is what he says in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. I know you all waste a lot of time looking at stuff on your phone that you don't need to be looking at. You have time to look at the birds of the air. He says, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Look at the birds, consider the birds, learn from the birds. Well, Jesus commanded it, so I did it this week. I was looking at the birds. I am so committed to the word of God that we, we were eating ice cream and popcorn and we watched a show on birds this week. Here's what I observed when I observed the birds. When the birds are not resting in their nest, birds are active. They are chirping, flying, fighting over worms, eating, repairing their nest. Did you know birds eat their weight in food daily? And Jesus is right. There are no barns for birds, no leftovers, no bird savings accounts for a rainy day. Here's why I think Jesus tells you and I to look at the birds. Here's what he's saying. Do everything that you need to do to survive today. Do everything that you need to do to take care of those you are responsible for today. Be responsible in the now. Be active in the now. Give your best today, just like the birds. Also, sing and soar. Look at the birds. Doesn't it look like it's fun to be a bird? <laughs> Number two, trust God for tomorrow. Sow and reap and store away in barns in the now, but trust God for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Trust the only one that can do anything about your tomorrow. Don't worry about the future. Trust the only one who can do anything in the future. And at the start of the passage, Jesus calls God, God. You cannot serve both God and money, but you see the shift as he continues this teaching. He no longer refers to God as God. He refers to God as your heavenly father. What, what he's trying to communicate to you is that the relationship between bird and God is that of creator and creature. But rela the relationship of you and God is that of father, perfect parent, heavenly father, and beloved child. That, that is, that's what defines your relationship with God. And do you know the, the heart of the perfect heavenly father? He delights. Just, just get this into your spirit. The father delights in being your provider. Jesus says, look at the birds, and he's talking about God's providence. He wants you to see God as provider. God is the perfect parent. He is your provider. Number three, the grass of the field object lesson. 
He, he says in verse 28, why do you worry about clothes? Consider, meditate, dwell upon. Meditate on how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So I looked at the grass this week, and I made a few observations about grass. I can't eat my grass. My grass does not produce fruit or vegetables. My grass does not give me shade on hot days. Was anyone else suffering under that oppressive heat? Not in the grass, you found a tree. My grass has plenty of weeds. Mice and ticks live in my grass. My grass doesn't seem to serve much of a purpose. It doesn't make much of a difference in my life. The Lord clothes the grass with flowers. He adores, the, he adorns this grass with these miraculous, beautiful, glorious gifts of life. The grass does nothing, and God gives the grass good things. The lesson about the grass is a lesson about God's grace. He's saying, my goodness and my mercy follows you all the days of your life. You haven't earned these blessings. I just surround you with my goodness. It's God's grace. God gives beauty and glory to grass. God gives beauty and glory to us. It's all around us. Jesus is saying, think about it. Before you did anything for God, God blessed you with beauty and glory. You were created in the image of God. He gave you the gift of life, not once, but twice. You say, what do, you mean? What, do, what do I mean? Well, you were born, and then the Father gave us Christ. You came to Christ by faith. You were reborn, and you were made his child. Today, we are clothed like the grass in Christ's righteousness, holiness, and splendor. The bird lesson is about God's provision. The grass lesson is about God's grace. The goodness of God surrounds us now. How does this affect worry? The goodness of God is with you today. What is certain about tomorrow? The goodness of God. You experience it in the present. We see God's faithfulness now. Surely God's goodness awaits us in the future. So don't worry about it. Meditate on God's provision and God's grace. And here's the last thing. Verse 31. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Their lives are all about accumulating possessions and money. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Just take a second. You can answer this just silently. What comes first in your life? And who comes first in your life? And, and I'm, I'm taking a, a second and thinking about that and, you know, what comes first? And I, my wife's sitting right here, Melissa, and so I, I only have a covenant with my wife, no other human beings, and so my wife comes first, and I think about our children. They come first. And, and then I start to think about my biggest source of worry. You, you, you want to guess who I worry about the most? What I'm most devoted to, Right? When you're, when you're thinking, and, and this, is, this is an amazing fact, and I won't go off a tangent because I was supposed to be done five minutes ago, but I'll just throw this out to you. It's the truth. What, whatever you're most devoted to is what you will worry about the most because where your treasure is, your heart is. 
Do, do you know what millionaires and billionaires worry about the absolute most? We're going to do this one more time. <laughs> yeah, because that's where their devotion lies. So Jesus is asking us, telling us, guys, what if you shifted your greatest points of devotion? What if, what if your greatest points of devotion were not people, places of things, but your greatest point of devotion was living for God the Father? What would happen to your worry? See, that's an amazing thought. Jesus is saying, if you would be willing to, to, to get your priorities in line, if you would be willing to live for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you would be willing to change your devotion and your loyalty, you wouldn't be so worried. It's a heart issue. I, I used to play golf and really care about hitting the ball. Just hitting it, I cared about. When I'm on a golf course now, you know what I'm thinking about? How am I, how am I gonna invite the person I'm playing with to church? I used to care about getting my kids to behave perfectly. Now I'm wondering, how do I show them Christ when they're sinning against me? I never cared about giving my kids new things, but now I care about making sure other kids get what they need. See, seeking first God in his righteousness, it integrates perfectly into your life. So today, I'm not telling you, hey, take on this brand new project and this new thing. What I'm saying is, for the things before you, how the relationships that God has already put you in, how do you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness? And if you do, you won't be so worried because the things you're worried about become secondary. I'll close here. The first Queen Elizabeth once told a man she wanted to go to him on a voyage to the new world. She needed his skills. This man said, I am a small business owner. My business is floundering. If I go, my business will sink. Queen Elizabeth said, my dear friend, if you mind my business, I will mind yours. This small business owner said, what a deal. The queen, the one with the most authority and riches will mind my business. All his worry went away. All his fear went away because he knew his queen. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and it's the same deal. When it comes to worry, face the facts, think and live differently, and God will lead us out of worry and into his kingdom. So think about it. Look at the birds, look at the grass and the flowers and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let us pray together. We thank you that perfect love cast out fear. We pray that in your perfect love, you would cast out the spirit of fear and fill us with the spirit of love and power and sound mind. May we fear you more than your, our future. May we trust you more than our circumstances. And may we love you with every moment and every fiber of our beings. Amen.